The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, (laughs) we're going to have fun today. You know, I... I've been prefacing um, my show like that a number of times recently because I know some of you are thinking, oh my God, what terror attack is she going to talk about today or what political candidate or what horrible thing in the news? <laughs> well, because, because the news has been, um, you know, because of all the tension that there is in America and the news has been rather contentious, shall we say, um, I have been making an effort <laughs> to... Um, in the spirit of, of trying to be your uh, island of sanity, um, making an effort to bring topics that uh, are more fun and um, more, you know, less likely to make you super anxious. Let's put it that way. And today I have a really fun topic. Um, it is a woman who I will describe to you, but her, the topic is uh, how to live like a millionaire when you're a million short. And that happens to be the name uh, of the uh, book that my guest, Marilyn Anderson, has just written uh, based upon her own experiences. I mean, it's a nonfiction book. It really tells you, gives you all the tools for how to do this, but it's based upon her own life and her own experiences. Marilyn is an award-winning television and film writer. She's an author and playwright. She uh, recently, most recently co-wrote and executive produced a movie in 2015 that was a family feature film called How to Beat a Bully, and she's going to be turning that into a book. She's also written for numerous television shows like Murphy Brown, Fame, uh, Facts of Life, Friday the 13th, the series, and so on. She's got numerous awards, such as um, being honored by the Writers Guild of America. She um, has also written a book, which is very much, you know, it's interesting, Marilyn. I'm, I'm sure you're probably familiar with my first book, which is called Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live with Them, and When to Leave Them. And your book um, is called Never Kiss a Frog, A Girl's Guide to Creatures from the Dating Swamp. Actually, I was trying to convince my publisher, which was um, uh, Dutton at the time, uh, to, to put something in the title about kissing a frog, but they, they stuck That's with the funny. bad boys That's title. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also she has a web series <clears throat> that complements that, which is really a riot. I was watching that on your website, and I'll be giving, giving out her various websites so that you can watch these things too. She's also a travel and entertainment reporter. 
And did I leave anything out? I don't think so. <laughs> well, right I used now, to be a biologist. <laughs> oh, right. Well, yes. Well, but you're going to tell us about that. I right. mean, um, these are your credits, uh, but um, I do want to know. I mean, I, I asked that about for everyone. Um, what, uh, how, how you got from who you were, <laughs> your, your childhood, to the person who wrote the book, How to Live Like a Millionaire When You're a Million Short. So we can start with that. Now, is there some kind of, I hear some kind of ticking. Uh, I don't know. I don't hear ticking, but uh, I'm, I'm on my landline, which I've never used before. So okay. we're, we're seeing if that's what it is. I okay, I don't know. I don't really know, yeah. but um, we'll just we'll just go on, and maybe during the break we can try to figure it out. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's start with. Uh, I always ask people to, you know, go back to their childhood because that's something I've always been interested in in terms of who, you know, what the person's beginnings were that led them to write the book that we are then talking about. So why don't you start with that? Well, it's funny because when I was growing up, uh, my parents were rather frugal and they were also very meticulous. I say my mother was a librarian and my whole house was arranged according to the Dewey Decimal System, Mm -hmm. which uh, isn't true exactly, but she was very neat and exacting. And my parents were both kind of frugal. And so I grew up in a middle class home in Philadelphia. But I learned to watch my money and not do really extravagant things. And um, I ended up going to college and to graduate school in biology and physiology. And I say, well, my mother wanted me to meet a doctor. Well, I met them. I just didn't marry them. Mm-hmm. But I, I did go into biology, and I, uh, after I got out of school, I went to work at the National Academy of Sciences, as a biomedical information specialist. But while I was there, I really started to go back to my roots, which was I loved being creative. When I was in elementary school, I was on the newspaper. And when I was in elementary school, again, I used to sing and dance around the living room. And I loved theater. I loved listening to albums and like they say in a chorus line, literally dancing around the living room. Mm-hmm. But I think when I went to school, the emphasis was always on academics. You know, be smart, get good grades. And so I think I suppressed my creative instincts. Mm-hmm. So after I uh, got out of college and graduate school, when I was working, I decided to start doing some local theater. I did... Um, Dinner theaters, I played Anita in West Side Story, A Boy Like That, Ukiyo Brother, Forget That Boy and Find Another, and I, I played Adelaide in Guys and Dolls. It says here in this book, and I mean, I loved the theater, and I loved doing this, and so one day I decided I'm going to do it while I still can, and so I quit my job, I sold my car, I sold my boyfriend, didn't get much mm-hmm. for him, and I moved to New York to become a star. And Wonder of Wonders, I got into a Broadway show a week after I got to town. Okay, now tell us, yes, I was reading that in your book. Tell us how you did that. Well, it was very exciting. I just, I got the newspapers, like, backstage, and I went on auditions. And uh, uh, Adelaide was actually one of my favorite roles. And so I sang Adelaide's Lament from Guys and Dolls, and I just hit it right away. Now, unfortunately, this show wasn't successful, and it closed after eight performances, 
which was not because I wasn't good, but the show wasn't really very good. But it really reinforced that I had done the right thing. And Uh when I was in New York, I also started doing stand-up at the comic strip, which was where um, actually a lot of famous comedians have started. But when I was there, another guy started who didn't do too well, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was actually, yeah, so Jerry Seinfeld was there and Paul Reiser and a lot of other, Larry David, he was at a different club. He was over at the um, uh, Catch a Rising Star. But Uh I got into doing stand-up and... uh, it's so funny because a, a couple of months ago, I ran into a guy here who used to do stand-up, and he saw me. I hadn't seen him in 30 years, and he, like, recognized me right away, and he even remembered parts of my act. Wow. <laughs> so that was fun. So then after I was in New York for a little while, I said, well, I either have to take a vacation or get a job. <laughs> well, let's see. That's a hard decision, vacation mm-hmm. or job. So I took a vacation And I came out to L.A., and I just loved it here. And I thought I was going to do acting, but I started writing. I had an idea for a script, and everybody said to me after I wrote, oh, you'll never get an agent, you'll never get anybody to look at it. And that wasn't true. As it turned out, I got a very hot agent, and they were very excited about the script, and I got a lot of attention, and... uh, then a writer's strike happened. So mm. things sort of fell apart for a while, not, not because of me. But it ended up that that script um, got me a lot of attention and made me some money, although it didn't get made right away. But funny, funny, it actually got made like 20 years later. Wow. <laughs> That's how long some things to, t- yes. to take. So I, yes. I tell people, never give up. If you believe yes. in something, never give up. Yes. Yeah, so then I started writing for um, television and film, and I, I uh, did some TV shows, as you mentioned. I did Murphy Brown. I did Fame. I also did a show uh, with Carol Burnett, Jeremy Piven, and Richard Kind, which was called Carol and Company. So, uh, and I was on staff of that show. And, uh, but at the same time, I was sitting around one day, and an idea popped into my head, and that's how I wrote Never Kiss a Frog. But as far as coming up with the idea for how to live like a millionaire when you're a million short, yes. the truth is that when you're in show business, sometimes uh, you work and get like a chunk of money, and a lot of the time you don't work at all. And you could go months or a year or even several years without making anything. Mm-hmm. And I was always amazed because the people that I knew who had regular jobs and regular paychecks, they never did anything fun. They didn't travel. They didn't buy things. They were always saying, I'm broke. I have no money. And here, I was a person who didn't have a job. Yet, I found I was, when I wanted to do things, I found the ways to do them uh, without having a job or a paycheck, but to do wonderful things in economical ways. And the funny thing is, for years, people were saying to me, how does Marilyn live? How does Marilyn live? In fact, one of my uh, writing partners said that his, uh, a, a good friend of his on his deathbed, which was, you know, horrible, he didn't say, you know, tell my mother I love her or, or say goodbye to my friends or I'm sorry I was such a jerk. No, my friend said his last words were, 
how does Marilyn live? <laughs> he was trying to figure that out his whole life. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've decided now that I'm going to share the secrets of how I live because everybody, you know, kept asking me all the time. And so I decided it's time to write the book. And so I just took all my experiences and the things I'd learned and all the different ways to live like a millionaire, even when you might not have a lot of money in the bank. Okay. And we're going to be talking about, just to give people a a little preview, we're going to be talking about living like a millionaire in terms of entertainment, shopping, uh, eats, treats, and feats. I'm reading the chapter headings here. Looking good and feeling good, getaways and globetrotting. Um, let's see. And on and on. We're going to be covering a lot of different areas, but all mainly, um, I mean, you know, obviously we can't, we can't give um, Marilyn's secrets all. There isn't time, for one thing, to give all of her secrets away. This book is like 200, it's close to 300 pages. So we can't cover it all. But I, as I was saying to Marilyn before we got on the air, what I think would be the most interesting would be uh, some of her most interesting stories. And so why don't let's but let's go in the order that the book is. Let's you know what's what's something from um, that's entertainment that was a particularly interesting way that you stumbled on on this um, living like a millionaire. Well. I love theater. I mean, as, as I said, I, I quit my job to go into theater. I grew up loving Broadway musicals and dancing in my living room to them. So I love the theater. I love going to New York. But we all know, oh, my gosh, how expensive New York can be. So I love when I go, I'll go to New York and I'll see, in one week, I'll see eight shows. Now, how can most people afford that? I certainly can't. But um, I found that some of the shows have lotteries. And this was several years ago when Book of Mormon first opened, and I found out that they had a lottery, which is different than like going to the tickets center, uh, mm-hmm. which a lot of people do in Times Square, mm-hmm. and you can get discount tickets. But the lottery is something where you show up two hours before the performance any night of the week, and uh, you put your name in like a bowl, and they pick out names, and anybody whose name they pick out can buy two tickets for the front row, like hmm. either for $25 or $30, which is a lot different than a $200 ticket that they were charging at that time. Wow. Yeah, so my boyfriend and I took the red eye, and we go down to uh, Times Square, where the theater was for Book of Mormon, and you know, usually like there's 30 or 40 people in line. Well, there must have been 200 people oh, wow. spilling all over the sidewalk. And we thought, oh, we're going to be here every day doing this because we'll never get in. So we put our, our names. And the secret is we didn't just put our names in the bowl, but we make friends with another couple. Because that way, if they both get pulled their numbers and we don't, then they can share their tickets with us. Uh-huh. And both of ours get pulled. So we're standing around and they start calling names and they called my name fourth. And it's like so exciting. Because it's <laughs> yeah. not just the experience of going to the show, but the lottery itself. Like everybody yeah. there is charged up and it's fun. And so the first night I was in New York, I got to see Book of Mormon in the oh, first wow. row 
for $32. Oh, wow. Um, You know, I'm born and bred in New York, and I was just there recently for the Book Expo. And I saw, I love, you know, since I was a little girl, I always loved plays, too, um, and loved going to theater in Times Square and everything. And so, of course, that's what I wanted to do when I was there. And... um, but I, I didn't have very much time. But but I never even knew about what you're just talking. How did you ever find out about this lottery system? I don't really remember exactly how I found out, but I knew about tickets, which is the Times Square thing. I knew about yes. rush seats. And rush seats, you often have to go, like, first thing in the morning and wait in line. And I'm not a morning person. <laughs> but, uh, and, but there are still rush seats, and some theaters have hot ticks. But I found out about the lottery, and actually the first time I ever did the lottery was when the um, producers uh, was, uh, was uh-huh. uh, there. And Rent also had lottery tickets. And the good thing about it is when these shows travel and leave New York, if there's a lottery, it travels with them. So when huh. it goes to your town, see if your show has a lottery, you know. So, um, but I think now they have a lot of digital lotteries because what happened with Hamilton, this is the show that, that, that cracked this system. There were so many people signing up for the lotteries that it was like blocking traffic all through Broadway. Oh, wow. So they oh, started wow. doing digital lotteries now. So now you just go online and you, you fill it out and you find out and then you go down. Huh. And the good news is you don't have to go to the theater. But the bad news is, of course, because you don't have to go to the theater, many more people are going yes. to enter. So yes, your odds yes. are lower of yes. winning. But it's very exciting when you win, especially <laughs> yes. when there's a crowd there. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, we need to take a break now. Um, my guest is Marilyn Anderson. We're talking about her book, How to Live Like a Millionaire When You're a Million Short. And we'll go quickly to the break because I want to come back and hear more. <laughs> You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Don't 
And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today with Marilyn Anderson. Her new book is called um, How to Live Like a Millionaire When You're a Million Short. And if you haven't figured out by now that you need to get this book, (laughs) um, I don't know, you're under a rock or something. Um, After uh, the first segment, I was talking with Marilyn and, and asking her more about the lotteries because I couldn't believe that I've never, I guess I'm under a rock. I never heard about that. Um, but And she was saying that in her book, I was asking her where you can find out about each of these lotteries, and she has the, uh, the uh, tricks of the trade to finding out the lotteries as well as all her other tricks uh, in her book. So for that alone, if you love theater uh, and other entertainment venues, that's... Um, a good thing to know about. Well, let's move on to her next uh, chapter, which is, So You Think You Can Shop. Go ahead. Marilyn. Oh, okay. Well, you know, a lot of, I have also rules to, to live like a millionaire by. Yeah. You probably have rules to live by because you're a psychiatrist. But I have rules to live like a millionaire by. And one of them, of course, a few of them deal very much with shopping. Uh-huh. First of all, I say ask is one of it. I say make an ask of yourself. Uh-huh. And one of the things that I do, like people don't realize that even sometimes in regular department stores, you can negotiate. Everybody thinks, oh, if it says it's this price, it's this price. And what I found is even at Nordstrom's, my goodness, they match prices, which I would have never thought of. Like if you go to Nordstrom's and you find something you love, you can look on Amazon and if it's there for a a more economical price, Nordstrom's will match it. Wow. But, but I also did some negotiating that people can't believe. I call it the case of the coveted cobalt blue jacket. <laughs> yeah. And what happened, I was in Nordstrom's because I really like that store. And yeah. I saw this beautiful blue cashmere blazer. Mm. And uh, I, I'm a winter, so I love bright colors, red and blue and hot pink. But this mm-hmm. blue cashmere was just gorgeous. But I looked at the price tag and it was $1,000. Well, I can't buy clothes that cost $1,000. It's way too much for me. So I, um, I, what did I do? I went over to the sales girl and I said, can you tell me if this is going to go on sale anytime mm. soon? <laughs> and she said, well, I don't know. I said, well, can you call me? If it goes on sale, she said, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I'd be happy to. So she wrote it down. Anyway, in a couple of weeks, she called me and she said, oh, Marilyn, your jacket is on sale. It's $600. Come on in. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I liked it, but 600 was still more <laughs> yeah. than I wanted to pay. So I said, oh, thank you for calling, but it's still too high. Anyway, she would call me every couple of weeks when it would go down in price. And oh, wow. this happened a few weeks at a time. And so then she finally called and she said, Marilyn, you got to come and get it. It's $300. Come on. So I went in and I looked and it was like the last one there and I tried it on. And I said, it's really too much. She said, well, how about 200 I said, how about 159 <gasps> What? She said, well, she said, let me see if I can get you the friends and family price. I and didn't know she, Nordstrom's has a friends and family price. <laughs> so she came back and she said, it's the last one. You look gorgeous in it. It's yours. Oh, wow. So I got it. I got this $1,000 jacket for $159. Well, 
Well, the funny thing is, like, she would always call me when there were great things. And uh-huh. so I became her friend, and she would always like uh-huh. give me great discounts. Now, I went back, like, about a month later, and she wasn't working there anymore. And I thought, oh, my God, I hope she hasn't been fired. <laughs> you know, maybe she's at New York yeah. now. Too many friends but, and family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. But the, the point is, you know, you should ask. And one of the other rules is make friends. Make friends with the salespeople. Same thing happened with me at, when I went to shop for a computer at Microsoft. Um, they, it was more than I wanted to spend. And so I asked, do you have a friends and family price? Well, we have a student price, but, you know, mm. I'll, I'll give you the student price. And they took like $400 off my computer. Mm. Mm. So, again, if you ask and negotiate, and the other thing is match prices. Because did you know that at Staples and at Best Buy, they will match prices, even, and sometimes even if they'll say something is on sale, their sale price is still higher than yeah. you can get at someplace else. But guess what? If you ask them to match pricing, you can show them, oh, look, on Amazon it's less. They'll give it to you for less. Oh, that, that's amazing because it is pretty much all the time or almost all the time less on Amazon, and Amazon is putting everybody out of business. So, um, so you know, I guess they're thinking that could be, I mean, it's good for the store, um, and it's certainly good for the buyer because uh, there is such a big difference. Yeah, and sometimes you like to see something in person. Like I, I yes. saw a dress on a woman that I loved yes. at a party, and I asked her where she got it. And she told me it was a store on Sunset Boulevard, and I looked, and, oh, gosh, they were having a sale. So I zipped over to it. And the dress was like on a mannequin, and I loved it, but it was a very expensive dress. And guess what? It was the only thing there that wasn't on sale. <laughs> so yeah. I took down the name of the, of the designer, and I went home, and I looked it up. And guess what? Um, Zappos had it. Instead of being um, $300, it was like $150 at Zappos. And so... In Zappos, you can return, but I knew what my size was because I had tried it on at the other place. Uh-huh. So I was going to get it at Zappos, but I thought, let me just look at eBay. And would you believe it? Uh. It was being sold on eBay in a in a in a um, auction. Now I should have bought it at the Buy It Now price, which was probably like seventy five dollars. But I had never bid on anything, so I thought, well, let me bid, and I ended up getting it for eighty-six dollars instead of uh-huh. the four hundred dollars that it was at the original store, or the or the one fifty or one ninety-nine at Zappos. Hmm. So I did comparative shopping then. <laughs> Boy, that <laughs> that's amazing. Yes, and I'm sure um, I'm sure you know with with shopping that there really are. I mean, like you just described. You went through a number of steps, but obviously um, that brought the price down quite a bit. Now, what? Uh, yeah, um, a whole lot. A whole lot. Yeah. Yes, but now yes, they have these yes. other things, Dr. Carroll, that are so wonderful. Like if you're going to a special occasion, you don't want to spend $800 for a dress that you're going to wear once or 2000 And now they have places, I call them the Netflix of fashion, like <laughs> renttherunway.com, where you can rent a dress that sells for $2,000, you rent it for $50, wear it, and send it back. And everybody thinks you're this amazing fashion plate, and there's hmm. a bunch of places like that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, where it's, where it's meant to be rented. It's not, you're not talking about some place where you buy it, and then you, and you no, I'm not tuck talking in the about tag, and, and you pretend that, 
that you didn't wear it, right? No, <laughs> what no. In saying. fact, yeah, what I love about rentthewrunway.com is if you, like, work at a regular job, you know, and you see people a lot and you want to always wear different outfits, yeah. Rent the Runway has a unlimited option where you pay a monthly fee and then you just get dresses delivered and return them and get them delivered and return them and you can wear a different dress every day and not have a stuffed closet or a maxed out mm-hmm. credit card. And I think, you know, if I was working and going to a job every day that I wanted to have clothes for, it, yes. I think that's phenomenal, you know. Yes, yes. Now what about this um, be in alignment with consignment? Well, I'm, People know about consignment shops in their neighborhoods. You know, there mm-hmm. used to be a wonderful one here, the address, and there's also thrift shops. But consignment ones is, is a way for you to make money on your clothes or to buy expensive clothes that have been reduced because other people have worn them uh, and they put them on consignment. And if you have local consignment shops, it's fine, but now they have a lot of consignment shops that are online. So you can shop from around the country or you can sell your your used, whether it's clothes or jewelry, also around the country. I just consigned some uh, jewelry at a place called therealreal.com. And again, so that way you don't have to count on the people going to one store to see this item. Uh-huh. Everybody around the world can see it and buy it. So um, I... The world is so different now because of the internet. It's amazing, yes, you know. Yes. One of my other rules that I have a funny story to go with. Yes. Do we have time for this? I, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I tell people, number one, think about what you want and remember it so that if the opportunity comes up, you can seize it. That's another one, carpe diem. Mm-hmm. But I also have a, have a chapter on charity and doing things for a worthy cause that you love is so gratifying. It's wonderful. And I had an opportunity that came out of nowhere to go someplace that I always wanted to go, but I could never afford. And this sort of combines a lot of these things about asking, mm-hmm. about, about seizing the moment, and about doing for others at the same time. And what happened was I had a very wealthy girlfriend who used to tell me all the time about Canyon Ranch Spa which is a fabulous spa. There's one in um, Tucson, Arizona that costs yes. about $5,000 for four days. Mm-hmm. And she used to go like twice a year. And I said to myself, and I kept it in the back of my mind, if I ever get the opportunity or the money to go there, it sounds wonderful. So what happens? Out of the blue one day, a girlfriend calls me and she says, Marilyn, I'm running a bachelor and bachelorette auction for the American Lung Association. Would you like to be auctioned off as a bachelorette? (laughs) I said, yeah, that sounds like fun. Well, all the bachelors and bachelorettes had to arrange their own dates that the people would be bidding on. This was way before the bachelor show on TV. Uh So so some of the bachelors or bachelorettes who were going to be auctioned off, they got like dinner for two at a fancy restaurant, and one person got like a round of golf with lunch at the clubhouse. Well, I thought, hmm, American Lung Association and a health spa. So I remembered, Mm. I want to go to Canyon Ranch Spa. I called Canyon Ranch Spa. I said, would you donate and they had to donate two rooms because I yeah. don't know this guy who's bidding on me <laughs> for the American Lung Association. They said, oh, absolutely. Huh. So, so my prize was, 
the person who bid on me would get a trip to Canyon Ranch Spa. I managed to get two tickets for the for two airline tickets. I managed to get a limo donated as well. <laughs> oh, and wow. So this was such fun, I have to tell you. So at the hotel that night, they had a cocktail party before. Now, I brought a shill because I, I was afraid I don't want a horrible guy bidding on me. So I brought a friend of mine who always wanted to go to Canyon Ranch Spa, and he knew that it would go for less if he bid it than if he had to pay for it regularly. So he wanted to go. So I said, well, come and bid on me. So there was a cocktail party first. And I met this really cute guy at the cocktail party. <laughs> and so the bidding starts, Dr. Carroll. And, you know, 100, 200, 500, and there's a bunch of bidders. And then when it got up to 1,000, everybody fell out except the two guys, my shill and the handsome guy who I'd been talking to. And I kept waving my shill off. No, don't bid on me. Let him get it. Let him get it. And guess what? The handsome guy won me. <laughs> And um, it was very exciting. It's really exciting to be bid on by a handsome stranger. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so he won the trip. And he, he, the day that we went, you know, he, he came in the limo and he brought me flowers, which was his thing, not mine. And we went to Canyon Ranch. We did not end up being a couple, but he ended up loving it so much that he went back another time. But it was just such an exciting thing. And it happened because, A, I remembered something that I wanted, and when I got the opportunity, I went mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Number two, mm-hmm. I asked. I said, will you do this, you know? Number three, I was doing it for a charity, so it gave to somebody else. Yes. And I was open. I was open to the, uh, to the experience, you know? Now, not everybody is going to want to go up there and, and parade in front of guys and be bid on, but there's other ways to be open to things and yes. to enrich your life. And so it was a great experience. It was tons of fun. You know, it's interesting. That's a great story. But it, it, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how, you know, what you said at the beginning about how people with regular jobs didn't ever seem to have enough money to uh, do these kinds of crazy things. And I think it's because, um, partly because you get locked into doing this 9-to-5 job, thinking you have X amount of money to spend, budgeting that amount of money, um, or, or not, but you know, just kind of having that in the back of your mind that you only have X amount per week. Um, and so they're, they're not really motivated to, to ask, you know, to put yourself out on the limb and, and ask. A lot of people are embarrassed. They don't want people to think they don't have money, you know, or they couldn't afford to get this for themselves or that kind of thing. Uh, pride, um, and and just just not being as open to these kinds of serendipitous, uh, good fortune kinds of events. I, you, you know, I, it's kind of being more locked into sort of a a predictable um, set of circumstances and not really thinking outside the box. Yeah, and it's just it's a simple little word, ask. And you know, I always said, you know, people. I did very well in school. I got good grades. I used to say, if I'm so smart, why aren't I smart enough to play dumb? <laughs> but mm-hmm. I feel like people look at me and they say, well, she doesn't look like she needs help, you know, because mm. I'm a smart woman. I, you know, I have degrees, whatever I, I do. But sometimes it's good to, like, just ask for something that you really would like, and you never yeah. know what the universe yeah. will bring you. 
A yes, funny story absolutely. happened with me. On an, do we have time for another little story now? Or well, not? we have to take a break right now, but when we come back, we will hear the next story. <laughs> <laughs> My guest is Marilyn Anderson. She has great stories, and she has great um, ways of figuring out uh, what uh, the title of her book is, you know, How to Live Like a Millionaire When You're a Million Short. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here with a wonderful guest today, Marilyn Anderson. And has an amazing book, and, and you're probably on Amazon already buying it, but just wait. Don't go anywhere yet. I'm going to be giving you some other um, web addresses, too, that you'll want to look at. Um, but, I mean, this is chock full. It's almost 300 pages, and she's just giving you highlights um, to, to whet your, <laughs> your appetite. So before the break, Marilyn, you wanted to t- that you had another story that you wanted to tell. Well, it's another story about asking, and, mm-hmm. and I would say this wasn't really when I was shopping, but maybe you could yeah. say I was man sh- man shopping. Yeah. <laughs> because it was uh, I was uh, flying on a vacation alone to uh, Puerto Rico. This was years ago, and I, I didn't really want to go alone, but I couldn't find anybody to go with. So I went. So when I checked in, it was one of the times when there were smoking and non-smoking sections. Mm-hmm. So when I checked in at the, uh, at the desk, the clerk said to me, do you want smoking or non-smoking? Do you have a preference? And I said, no, non-smoking. I said, but just, she said, well, would you like the aisle or the window? I said, well, just put me next to a handsome man. <laughs> she said, Oh, well, do you want to stand back there and when you see somebody you like, you know, uh, give us a sign? I said, nah, I, I couldn't do that. I was just kidding, but thank you. And so she gave me a, an aisle seat and I sat down and I'm on the plane, you know, waiting as people come in. And all of a sudden, this really good looking guy comes in <laughs> and he puts his bags up and he sits down next to me and I smile. And he says, he said, 
You know, it was the amazing thing. He said, you know how when you check in and you say smoking or non-smoking, and as soon as I said non-smoking, the desk clerk said to me, have I got a seat for you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we ended up talking the entire time. He asked me out. He ended up taking me out like every night in Puerto Rico. I had the best time, and of course, he paid for everything. (laughs) Oh, that's and another again, way to get It was because I, I simply asked for what I wanted. I said, mm-hmm. put a handsome man next to me. Yes. So that was yes. kind of a funny story. Um, well, yeah. well, you know, I tend to, to do that, too, um, to ask for things, uh, various things. And, um, and people, you know, around you, when they see you doing that, are amazed when, it, when you get what you want. Well, I it's mean, it, really... It, it just shows, I mean, because, because it's like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't ask for whatever it is, whether it's, uh, whether it's you know, I mean, I, I must say I've never asked for a bargain. In, in, I've never asked for friends and family in Nordstrom's, but now I'm going to start. But, um, well, you know, and you do it obviously in a nice way. You try, to, <laughs> you try to be nice about it, but that's just, I mean, that's just one little thing, you know. Right, but I, it's just I the just, principle that... That people are, that you really um, have to overcome. Yes, of course you have to be nice and, and all of that, but you have you have to overcome whatever it is that is in your way. For oh well, you're not supposed to. Mainly, it has to do with breaking rules. Oh well, the rules are such and such, so I can't ask for such and such. You know. Yeah, and sometimes I realize that I didn't. I didn't ask when I should have. Like, there was a very rich woman I knew, and she kept saying, is there anything I can do to help you? Would you like anything? And I, like, couldn't say, oh, would you invest in my movie, you know? Uh-huh. And, and then when she passed away, I found out that she had given, like, $800,000 to her handyman and $500,000 oh, wow. to her. And I thought, why didn't I ask? Yes, <laughs> and she said yes. to me, is there anything I can do for you? Yes. So sometimes you have to you know, say, well, maybe it's okay to tell the truth if there's yeah. something you can do, you know, but it's sometimes hard for people, and I understand that, and and that's the thing. In this book, I don't just tell things that people have to do to go out of their comfort zone. A lot of the things are very easy and simple, and you just go to a website, and it's there for you. I yeah. so don't think you have to be outrageous or outgoing uh, to, to get tips from this book, because a lot of things are just put on the plate for you right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, okay, talking about a plate, <laughs> you have a chapter about looking good and feeling good and a subchapter about nips and tucks for way less bucks. Oh, yes. Well, of course, we live in Los Angeles, which is, you know, the town of all the beautiful, gorgeous women, yada, yada, yada. And uh, I, when I was growing up, like especially when I was in my teens, like 15 and 16, everybody was getting nose jobs. I mean, it was just the thing. And mm-hmm. I never, I had, I guess, what's called a Roman nose. And I never really wanted to change my looks. I was happy. I didn't care. I had a little bit of a bump on my nose. It didn't bother me. But after I wrote my first book, uh, Never Kiss a Frog, I was on TV with it. And when I watched myself on TV, oh, my gosh, I suddenly my profile had changed. I don't know. They say, I guess, when you get a little bit older, you lose cartilage or whatever. But it's like suddenly I didn't even have my Roman nose. I just hated my profile. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, my God, you know, what am I going to do? Because, 
you know, I didn't want to go through surgery, whatever. But And I went, um, I belonged to an HMO Kaiser, which actually has been very good. I have to say I'm very impressed with how effective they are. But when I went to see about the cartilage, blah, 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 they said, well, if you get a regular nose job, it's not covered because it's considered aesthetic. Uh-huh. And it would cost you like ten to $15,000. Plus, you have surgery, you have downtime, you have pain. Mm, didn't sound right for me. But then I found out, and this is another thing, like you didn't know about the lotteries, that there's what's called a 15-minute nose job. <laughs> and this I didn't know about you, that either, yes. Well, what's wait till you hear it. It's non-surgical rhinoplasty. And you go in, and doctors do this all over the country. And um, if you have a bump or something, they can take out the bump. And it's done with injections like Restylane or um, uh-huh. there's other things. And it can cost anywhere from 800 to maybe 1500 or 2000 which is a lot less than ten to 15000 And it's a simple procedure. You go into the office, you get injected, you walk out you know, half an hour later, and you can go back to work. There isn't a lot of pain. There isn't recovery time. And everybody said to me, my girlfriend, in fact, said to me, she had a regular nose job like six times, and here my nose looked better than hers. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm very excited to find that. But if if you use fillers like Restylane, those don't last forever. You do have to keep repeating it. Well, they they have fillers now that... They do have a, um, they have some that last two years, some that last a year, yes. but they also have some that last forever. Um, I, I chose not to get the ones that last forever because I thought, oh, if you don't like it, you're, yes. you can't change it. Yes. So I got, I got it done and it lasted like two years. And so then I went back and again, mm-hmm. I could have said, do it, do it to me forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I still, I still like the idea that, it is reversible if you don't like it for some reason. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, here's another thing. You get your hair done all the time. You, I probably spend more on my hair and nails than you do on something like that, you know. Yeah. So in fact, that's a tip I have for women because I have very long hair. And, and, and this is for men, too, though. I have very long hair, and it grows very fast. And um, it's thick. And uh, uh, so what I do is I go and I become a hair model. And I thought, oh, wait, you know, I'm not gorgeous, I'm not thin, I'm not young. But the good thing about being a hair model is you only need one thing. Hair. Good hair. <laughs> and anybody in any city can be a hair model because salons need people to practice on. And yes. what you do is you go to Craigslist and you, and you put in, uh, you look under services, beauty, and then you just fill in model and it'll pop up all the places that are looking for hair models. And usually it's free if it's a haircut. Sometimes if it's color, it'll be like an extra $25 for the product. But I have been a hair model at so many fancy salons all over the city. Wow. Because it grows fast. And then another place to go for that, it's called salonapprentice.com. And that's in a bunch of cities, but not in every city. That's why I also mentioned Craigslist, because that's everywhere. But Uh I I become a hair model. I'm a hair model, you know, every three weeks at some (laughs) new salon. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's, that's great. Um, okay, what about, oh, we're running, oh my God, I can't believe the time. All right, um, well, let's, we're, we're, you know, we can't cover everything. People, you're just going to have to buy the book. Um, is there something that 
did you want to talk about maybe some uh, rules to to live like a millionaire by? I know you well, talked about that a little I bit before, about but ask. I talked about negotiate. Yes. I talked about making friends, which is yes, really important. Yes. I I carpe diem seize the moment. Yes, and um. The other thing is, my main one is, you know, enjoy your life, have fun, you know, because that's what it's about. You know, if there's something you really love, you can find a way to do it, you know, because there's so many things out there. I mean, I talk about how to literally spend six nights at a four-star resort in Spain for free, you know, and people say, oh, I can't afford a European vacation. Well, you can, and there's so many different things that you can do if you open, you're open to the possibilities. And uh, now these days, you know, there's, my book sort of puts it all in one place. People can go hunting on the internet, but they can also just, I, I think, you know, that old expression, you can give a man a fish or you can teach him to fish. Well, that's what I try to do. I, I, I'm giving these people a lot of fish, but I'm also teaching them to fish for bargains and deals mm-hmm. and for having a better life, essentially, mm-hmm. but not having to have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like you talk about um, globe getaways and globe trotting, and you talk about how um, when you wanted to travel and you couldn't afford to pay to pay for some of these luxurious hotels, um, you decided to be it, and, and presumably you're still doing it, being a travel and, and entertainment reporter, well, a traveler reporter. Um, and getting these places to let you stay for free if you will write about them. Oh, and this is what's so amazing is, you know, this is when I wrote my first book, and I was traveling across the country, and I figured I could travel on my own nickel, my own nickel for, for you know, and stay at Motel 6s or uh, Best Westerns, or I could travel and stay at five-star hotels and not spend anything. And I decided I was going to write a travel column, and all these real travel reporters said to me, oh, no hotel will ever host you if you don't write for Condé Nast or the New York Times. And if I had listened to them, because they said you can't do it, no way. If I had listened to them, I would have gone nowhere, but I didn't listen, and I have stayed at the Honeymoon Suite at the Monterey Hotel and Spa. I've stayed at the Ernest Hemingway Suite in uh, New Orleans at the Hotel Monteleone. I've been on a trip to Taiwan that was five-star, all because I said, hey, here's an idea. I'm going to do it. And these days, a lot of people can do things because there's, they can start their own blogs. They can yeah. start... You know, they can do a YouTube channel, and they don't have to be writers. Somebody says, well, I'm not a writer. But I have a friend who's a graphologist, and she trades, um, she teaches, like, graphology at a spa. Like, once a month, she'll go to a different spa every month, and Mm. she's the most relaxed person I know. (laughs) Because every week she goes to a spa, and she gives, like, a class, or she reads people's, you know, handwriting. Uh-huh. And if, if you can do a craft, if you are a painter, or if you do pottery, or if you speak French, you know, you can make a trade with, with some great place that you've wanted to go to and yes. give a course or teach something. So there's all kinds of ways to, uh, to enjoy your life and do what you like to do and at the same time get wonderful experiences. Yes, uh, it sounds marvelous. Well, um, let me, I want to make sure that we have the time to give out the website addresses. So um, I, I, easily to, easy enough to remember, you can go to 
howtolivelikeamillionaire.com. How to, I can't believe that that, that uh, domain was available. Wow, <laughs> I grabbed it. <laughs> howtolivelikeamillionaire.com. And then um, you were saying that uh, you have some vignettes there, too, that, that people can watch that are companions with the book. And oh, yes. We, but, yes. Mm-hmm. And also on her website, neverkissafrog.com, that I, I was watching the, um, the vignettes on that. They were a riot. And, oh, um, and then there are other ones as well. But where would you like people to go to buy the book, How to Live Like a Millionaire? Uh, well, if they go to howtolivelikeamillionaire.com, then they can go to, to Amazon and uh, there's a paperback and there's also a, uh, an ebook version for Kindle or other ebook things. So uh-huh. if you just go to howtolivelikeamillionaire.com, that'll take you, uh, you'll have a choice of getting it either as a paperback or as an ebook. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds easy enough. Um, I mean, again, I just want you to know, everybody, that we are just, we just barely scratched the surface here. Um, you know, these were really entertaining stories and true stories, but there are so many more um, other uh, chapters, subchapters, uh, other tips on, um, on how to live like a millionaire when you're a million short, <laughs> exactly what the title is. So Marilyn, thank you so much. This, uh, you know, it's, it sounds like it's not, it's not just a list of things. It's like a lot of fun because it's uh, your personal stories with each of these different tips. So, yeah, um, it's so how I did so- it and how, how you can too. And it's fun along the way, but it also gives you tons of information. So I call it part memoir, part consumer guide. Yes, yes, that's a good way of looking at it. And, uh, and these things work, obviously, because you've, you've done them and tried them out. Yes, so thank some you of my so friends much. have too. <laughs> and when? And your friends? My friends. Yes. They've they've gone to Spain for to this place for free for six nights and had had the best vacation of their lives. So I know oh, well. it worked. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much again, Marilyn Anderson. I wish you all the best with your book. That's that's boy. You know, these days that's um, all the more all so necessary. I mean, it's still we're still. <laughs> We still haven't recovered from the financial meltdown, regardless of what some news reports say. So this is a very welcome book at this particular time. So thank thank you so much. much. Thank you. It's been wonderful. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 